life hacks, leadership tips, stories, and fun. It's time for Two Guys on Stuff with Michael Edwards and Tom Tobin. They're executives, entrepreneurs, and great friends. And this is a conversation about values-based, purpose-driven leadership that can transform you, your organization, and the world. Now, let's hear what stuff the guys are talking about this week. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Episode 13, it's hard to believe that we're on Big 13, Lucky 13, and we are not just lucky, we are blessed. Uh, The gentleman that we're having on today, Keith Adamson, is like a brother to me, longtime um, friend. He was a friend first, he was a coworker, and uh, then we became business partners for over two decades in Fit for Work and Confluent Health. We both retired back in 2018 and uh, and are excited to, today to have you on, Keith. We're just so blessed. I'm looking forward to hearing your stories again. I, I miss you. I miss our collaboration and uh, we're blessed to have you. So welcome. Welcome, Keith. Thank you. I really appreciate it, uh, Tom. You and Michael uh, are certainly building something really special here. I've been listening to some, to some of the other podcasts. And so I'm really thrilled and, and honored to be part of this and uh, excited to, to share some things that I've been doing, but also talk about you know what we did, uh, the damage we did years ago yeah. together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was good damage too. And well, Michael, I always said that uh, I was the balloon and Keith was the string in our relationship. And uh, so when I would come up with all these wild ideas, Keith was the one that anchored me and said, well, that would be great, but how are we going to do that? And I used to say that, not that it's necessarily true, but uh, I, I would say that if it was up to Keith, we'd have, um, we would be able to do something really well, but we wouldn't have anything to do. And if it was up to me, we'd have a lot of things to do and no way to do it. Um, yeah. Just, It's yeah. probably true on my end, but not true on Keith's. He had plenty of ways to do things. And Keith was instrumental, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but he was instrumental in me really getting, um, you'll hear this again, purpose and clarity to my post-retirement life. Uh, after three months of being on a tractor and moving dirt, which I really enjoyed because nobody was telling me how to fill in the holes or where to move the dirt. Um, Keith walked me through the purpose clarity process. And so we're excited to have you here, Keith. And so, you know, I'm going to let you uh, tell our audience just a little bit about where you're at, Keith, post retirement and and what you're doing. And then we'll just kind of go there. So, you know, not your full biography, but, you know, what have you been up to? Well, I've been doing uh, a lot of uh, dog walking, and I got a, a puppy back in the in the summer, and uh, so that's actually been a lot of fun. Uh, it's a sporting dog, and uh, so he's kept me busy, and I actually lost almost twenty pounds because of it, which is good good for my health. So, you know, post retirement, uh, and in the mix of that, post COVID or COVID. Uh, it, it kind of slowed me down. And I think that that's actually been good for me. Uh, I intentionally wanted to slow down a, a bit and just catch my breath after we retired. And, you know, you've heard me say this before, Tom, but I don't like to use the word retired. I like to use the word repurposed. Yes. Uh, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm an old piece of furniture, but uh, it's, it's still okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, intentionally, I wanted just to take a step back and then I began to build just a small little consulting uh, coaching business uh, called Resolier Coaching. And as I was getting everything rolled out and I actually had a client ready to start, COVID hit. Wow. And so it just really you know, forced me to take a step back. And uh, so I'm just kind of going through life as it as it comes, spending time with my family spending time with my mom, who's, who's in assisted living. And so actually, I think it's been a good season for me, um, but I, I'm excited to kind of kickstart some things and uh, hopefully this will be part of that. Yeah. Shameless plug. So how could someone reach you if they were to be interested in Resolier? Well, they can uh, reach me at uh, Resolier or Keith at Resolier.com. Uh, uh, and, uh, I, I can also provide you some other contact information if you want to put that somewhere in the, in the bio. Yes. Spell that resolier.com. It's, it's R E S I L E R.com. It's Keith at resolier.com. And resolier right. is actually, um, it means to leap. Or it's, you know, it's the root word for the word re resilience, but it means to leap or to, to bound or to overcome. And I, I felt just really uh, kind of tied to that name because that's really what I want to help people do is just overcome maybe some obstacles to, to leap forward, to maybe uh, look at changing something in their life. Uh, and, you know, Michael, you know that coaching is not about us fixing things. It's about facilitating and, and guiding, you know, like a Sherpa on a, on a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's really what I'm focusing on now. And I'm just, you know, doing it uh, little by little. Awesome. Awesome. Well, looking forward to hearing more about that and, uh, and walking us through kind of how you arrived at that decision. But uh, one of the things that we always like to do, you've listened to our other podcasts. I love the time machine. And uh, so you're 25 years old. You're going to blast back and you're going to talk to your 25 year old self. What are you going to say to change and form your idea of leadership so that you'd be better today than you were without that advice from yourself? You know, that was a, a tough one. But then as I began to think about it, it, it became very clear. And I know it's going to surprise you, Tom, but. I think, first of all, I would try to not to take myself so serious. What? Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think early on, uh, just because of my personality, and back then I didn't really understand fully my own personality, but um, I just, I was so kind of focused on getting the job done that maybe sometimes I took myself too serious. And, um, you know, just created these expectations for myself. And I think in, in the process, maybe missed out on some, some opportunities uh, for growth for myself. So I think, you know, first of all, just, you know, not taking myself so serious mm -hmm. by nature, by personality, I'm a people pleaser. Uh, and so sometimes I'm, you know, I, I look for approval and so I don't want to mess up. And I want to make sure that I'm doing things the right way because you know people are counting on me. And that means maybe taking less risk. So kind of, you know, trying to follow more of a narrow path. Mm -hmm. uh, I think secondly, what I would tell myself is um, 
take some more business classes. <laughs> you know, as, as a as a young clinician coming out of uh, the Allied Health School, you know, we were we were well trained in anatomy and physiology and therapeutic uh, modalities and all of those things, but uh, very poorly equipped uh, to run a business. Not that every therapist is going to go out and run a business, but um, I, I feel like I, I would have done that, you know, looking back, telling myself, you know, take some business classes. I think it would have better prepared me for what we went through. Um, we kind of learned it as we went, you know, it was kind of school of hard knocks and um, versus some formal classes. So that's those are two things that come to mind. That's interesting advice and probably one of the best pieces of advice that I didn't take when I was uh, that age. Um, I had a good friend, his name was Jack Green, and, and he wrote me this really cool letter when I graduated from high school. And in the letter, he said, go get a specialized degree, go get an electrical engineering or something that other than a business administration degree, and then go get your MBA. He said, you know, at that time, you know, BAs were a dime a dozen and they probably still are. So um, it's interesting that uh, you have the same advice for a, a younger Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and what, tell us about your master's. You went back to school, you got your master's. Yeah. So um, I went back to, and part of it was uh, to support what, you know, you and I were doing, Tom, um, but to support um, my better understanding about leadership. And so I went and got a, a master's in organizational leadership from Colorado State University. And that really helped, I think, propel me uh, to be better equipped, just your know, mindset and better understand right. Uh, not not to have all the answers in terms of leadership, but just to better understand organizational culture. I think it really helps solidify that in my in my mind and really how we propelled fit for work going forward in those key things like core values and, and culture and your mission and your vision and those kinds of things. What was the catalyst? Um, I mean, going from you know occupational therapy to leadership, what uh, what was the thought process or the path that you took to get there? Well, I know for me, and maybe it was for Tom, but for, for a lot of therapists, it's it's almost by default. It's like, uh, you know, we need a we need a manager uh, and nobody wants to, to lead this group. Uh, hey, Keith, why don't you be the manager? And so you just kind of, you know, you just evolve into the, these positions. Uh, sometimes people don't want it. Sometimes people do. I was up to the challenge uh, and, and I really I felt good in, the, in those positions. I felt like I had strengths and I had um, certain traits uh, to be a leader, but yeah, I didn't, didn't have a lot of uh, the skills. I just, in a lot of the knowledge base, but I, I you know, I knew I, I could do it. So for me, it was just uh, kind of like um, whether I drew the, the shortest stick or, or, you know, my hat, my, you know, my lottery ticket was, was drawn. I don't know, but that's, that's how it was for me. No, I, I will tell you it was because I mean, you hear it in his voice. You see it within an organization. People gravitated towards Keith because he was a more stabilizing factor. If you sat in a meeting with me and you sat in a meeting with Keith, you would come out of my meeting and you'd have a lot of ideas and probably not sleep that night. And it would not be as focused 
And Keith, you could go into the meeting, you walk out, you feel calm, you've got very clear direction. And uh, and so but when you put both of us together, I think that was and correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree, Keith, but I think that was part of the magic of what we did at Fit for Work was because we earlier on recognized what our core strengths were and allowed each other to be in that lane and really relied on on each other. You know, I probably did it nine times out of 10. I would write an email and then I would give it to Keith and say, what do you think about this? And he would say, you know, well, maybe if you thought through it like this and, you know, so nine out of 10 emails that I wrote, I didn't send if they were challenging in that in that sense and kind of high energy emails. Keith probably came to me one out of 10 times. And 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 I was very grateful for that because, you know, it saved me a, a lot. And so, it, you know, if you're listening, one of the things, you know, we talk about nuggets here, Keith, and, and the golden nuggets and what people often uh, may not appreciate is, is when you drop these subtle nuggets. And if you recognize a couple of things that Keith said, you know, first of all, by not taking himself seriously, that requires a higher level of you know, emotional quotient, you know, you need to know yourself. And then the second thing is that ongoing recognition of where you exist in an organization and then playing into your strengths. Um, early on as a therapist, I got my MBA, I was going to get an MHA, uh, master's in healthcare administration, but I was working as a young therapist at an inpatient rehab hospital. And I had the CEO, we were having lunch one day and he just happened to sit next to me. Hey, what's going on? And I was reading my uh, some books and I was going to night school and he said, what are you getting? I said, Oh, I'm working on my MHA. And he said, why you're a clinician? Why do you need an MHA? He said, I'd, I'd kill for the kind of clinical experience that you have. Why don't you get an MBA? Well, I ended up switching gears, got my MBA and, and like Keith, it drew more into my strengths. And, um, so, so yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. You know, I uh, spent the morning with a group of leaders uh, walking through self-awareness and curious to see uh, how you coach people or or lead people towards self-awareness or, you know, some of the foundational skills to be self-aware. You know, it's it's definitely a learned behavior. I tell people that, uh, you know, I spent 35 years of my life being completely oblivious to who I was. And, and once I kind of figured it out. It was one of those things that you just got hungry to know more and more about yourself. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, and you know, I've studied that over, over many years, like yourself, I find it interesting that, you know, that that's a really popular, I'm not saying it's a buzzword. It's very, it's a very serious endeavor. And, and as Tom was saying, you know, before you, really you can lead others. You really have to know yourself so that you can lead others and what you're trying to, to, to get, you know, not get them to do, but they need to really believe in what you're doing. Um, so, you know, I, I try to guide people on a process of discovery and, and, and examination and looking at, you know, deeply within themselves, you know, identifying their authentic self, their genuine self. Um, there are traps along the way, I believe, that, that oftentimes people misinterpret, you know, self-awareness as, you know, self-ambition or, or self-interest. And it can sometimes lead people down the wrong path of, 
self-indulgence and self-delusion and, and those kinds of things. And, and all of a sudden you get, you get trapped into, well, I've got to really be focused on self. And all of a sudden you're forgetting about everything around you. So it's the combination of the balance between understanding self and how that impacts others and then how others see you. So the process is, is, uh, can be sometimes very simple. It doesn't have to be very profound, but I've found that, uh, for example, with, with Tom helping guide him through a process of just understanding his purpose, uh, doesn't mean that he didn't have a purpose before, but with the transition and being retired, he just, he kind of was searching for better understanding his, his calling at that point. And so for me, going through helping someone go through a process of just understanding, you know, what was I created for? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a book. Uh, I read it years ago and I, I pulled it back out to reread it and it's called halftime and it's by Bob uh, Buford. And the whole premise of halftime is going from uh, a time in your life where you're focused on success and then transitioning to focusing more on significance. And it's, it's really, it doesn't mean that you're not significant early on in your life, but you're focusing a lot early on in your life on your career and earning and building. And then I think, I don't know, I can't speak for you, Tom, but I think I picked that up when we were yeah. doing our work together is, is there's gotta be more and how, how can I be significant? What kind of legacy can I leave? What can I do that's beyond just myself? And so personally, I've, I've, I went through that process to better understand how can I be significant with my family, with my church, with my with the mission that I want to do through prison ministry. And so long answer to your question, but just helping people go through a process. And, and there's not a set recipe. It's not a cookie cutter approach. It's, you know, what do you want? Uh, or what do you want instead of what you have now? Or there's a lot of ways to, to phrase the question, but getting people to kind of go down that path of discovery is, is the way I would put it. And that's the purpose and clarity process, right, Keith? That's part of it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. And, and I went through a, a program, which I really enjoyed. And uh, Tom was very grace, gracious to, to be my, um, I wouldn't say guinea pig, but yeah, in a way, guinea pig. But, you know, we needed a, a client to work with as part of the class. And so Tom volunteered to do that. And uh, I really, I enjoyed going through it with Tom and even knowing Tom, you know, it was just interesting to see how he processed things. And it's just a really neat, it's a four to five week program that's, that's structured but there's, it's like a riverbank, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of leeway there and you, you just don't go down this straight linear path, but you've got a riverbank that you kind of work within. And the end, the, the end goal is to become more aware of your purpose, you know, what you're created for and to even come up with what we call a, you know, a, a purpose statement, your own kind of personal purpose statement. If somebody was in the elevator and you wanted to do the quick elevator speech what would you tell them? What's your purpose? And so for, for me, it's to awaken in others what's possible. You know, it's, it, it's, it's very, it's a very simple sentence, but to me, it, it really 
brings forth what I want to do. Um, companies have purpose statements. You know, one of my favorites is, is, is Lego and Lego is to inspire and, and to develop the builders of tomorrow. That's very, very simple, but it says so much in that statement. So just understanding what is our purpose. And then from that, you can develop kind of your mission, which is how you're going to deliver that purpose. And you can develop your vision, you know, where are you going with that? But to me, the core is what is that purpose? You know, it's interesting. Your purpose uh, is very similar to mine. Mine is to help others discover and unleash their potential. Very, very similar. One of the things you mentioned was legacy. And, and for me, legacy was, well, what helped me guide me uh, to really defining, clarifying my values, building my purpose statement. And I went through a process. It was 2006 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've, I've probably told this story a million times. So stop me if you've heard this before. So we're, we're sequestered in this uh, corporate training facility. They took away everything that had a power button. Mm. So we basically have a journal and, and some paper and we, we basically walk through all kinds of, uh, you know, different stories, socially responsible leadership, um, things like that. And the end game is to write our retirement speech. Mm. Um, and, and I wrote my retirement speech and it was just like the cartoon, you know, how you, you write something, you crumble it up and throw it over your shoulder. And all of a sudden you've got this tower of, you know, eight feet tall, uh, uh ripped up paper. And that was kind of me, but I wrote my retirement speech based on what I thought my son, Michael would say at my retirement. And that was such a powerful experience for me. It really helped me hone in on who I was. That was the catalyst for my self-awareness and, and really understanding my values and, and helps guide me even today. I revisit my uh, retirement speech every single Friday afternoon when I go through my weekly review process. That's, wow. that's, that's fantastic. Well, you know, some people I'll help with getting down down a path where they write what we call a vision script, which is essentially, you know, where, where do you see yourself? And you actually write out pretty detailed what that looks like. Uh, and that's where you can enter intertwine all the things, all the possibilities, all the potential and just helping people understand what, what is possible on um, not to lead them down a path, not to, just to, uh, to try to, steer the outcome for someone, but to help guide them down that path. And again, uh, I think that's what the Purpose Clarity Program has really uh, helped me with. Helped, I think he helped Tom and, and, mm -hmm. and others that I've worked with. Keith, when you, uh, let's say, you know, there's people listening right now and they're thinking about Purpose Clarity, how might they want to prepare for that? What, is there a stage in life that they're, going to be at before they go through it? You know, if they're sitting there thinking, is this for me? How might you answer that for them based on their age? I, I really think it's for, for anyone that may be going through some kind of transition. Uh, maybe it's a second career. Maybe, uh, you know, you've lost your job, you know, and certainly during COVID there's, there's a lot of people that have been, um, disrupted um, by the pandemic in a number of ways. It, it could be retirement. It could be a college student, you know, trying to better understand what do I want to study? You know, I, I look at, and I've worked with some college students 
where they, they walk in and say, I have no idea. My, my parents want me to go to college, but I have no idea what I want to study. And, and you know, I got to thinking how, how much time and energy and money is potentially wasted with uh, a, a young person that is full of potential, but yet they, they just haven't been given the opportunity to, to think through and to dream what is possible for me? What, what would be a good career move for me? And again, it's not to decide, but it's, it's to help kind of start that path. Uh, so there's a lot of people I think out there that may be just searching. And, it, and it, again, it doesn't have to be profound. It may just be a time where you want to refocus. Um, I ran into, well, I intentionally uh, reconnected with uh, a guy that, uh, that I, I went to college with, and actually we were friends in high school and we hadn't seen each other in about 35 years and we reconnected. And he told me that uh, years ago when we had met that uh, he was influenced in a couple of ways by me. Number one, he was influenced to the school he went to. He went to Texas Tech. And number two, he was influenced to become a minister, which was really kind of surprising to me uh, because I had asked him to go to church. And we went to a Methodist church there in, in Lubbock. And he told me, he said, he, you know, he was in a situation, was a second career, and he was just unhappy with what he was doing. And he just didn't quite know what to do. So he, he began to think back to his past, not necessarily to dig up what went wrong, but to look at, you know, wh what can I learn from that? And, and he began to understand where he was most happy, where he was most fulfilled, where he's, where he had joy. And it was uh, in those areas, you know, being, at, being at the university, uh, going to church. And so I, I think for, for many people just allowing themselves to go through a process and giving themselves permission just to say, Hey, it's okay. I don't necessarily want to go quit my job, but maybe it's just to, to better understand your overall purpose when it comes to your avocation, you know, things outside right. of work. So there's, right. there's a lot of things that, uh, you can discover just by giving yourself a chance and, and the mental focus to go through that process, because it, it's not, it's not necessarily easy, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Well, and I can speak from experience. It was definitely worth it. You know, especially as you, as you talk about your avocation, you know, I think one of the things that you taught me early on was that your vocation can be different than your ministry. Those two things don't need to be combined or your purpose or, or how you exercise who you are outside the scope of what generates revenue for you and pays the bills. And oftentimes that people seek to get all of that value for themselves, their self-esteem, their worth, et cetera, through their job when really maybe they just have really great skills in their job and that's not where they're to get or derive their self-worth. And we get a lot of that naturally, but if you're not going to get it in that environment, you want to get it from someplace else. And, uh, and so I really appreciate you saying that. The other thing that struck me is as you were talking, I was thinking about what stage and you're talking about young people. And, you know, initially some people might start listening to this and think, well, you know, like halftime or 
I'm, I'm not even into my first career. Why would I be talking about this? Or why is this podcast interesting? Why don't I just wait for the next one to come out? And I think that you really hit the nail on the head, especially when you come out of when you're looking at an environment like we have today. And and so for young people that are listening to this, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to suddenly do something drastic, but it's that initial phase of beginning to determine if I was able to go back and tell myself something today, what would it be? And gaining that insight from you and through that purpose and clarity process, what could I say to myself today as I begin to evaluate that and start on that track? You know, um, I've been I've been working with my horse some and I'm not a horse person. We have a horse. It was getting ready to go to the glue factory and I saved it. And <laughs> so um, I so I have this horse and and we enjoy the time. But I actually learned quite a bit about horses from one of the guys at church when he taught a Bible study. And that's all he does. He trains like world class training and stuff like that. And as you were talking, it made me think if you're earlier on in the process, all it takes is a little bit of nudge, a little bit of pull of the reins. You don't have to really pull hard and dig your heels in. It's just a little bit of a nudge and and that horse starts to veer and onto the correct path. And so if people maybe could visualize that right now, if you're younger and you're thinking, oh, okay, I'll I'll re-listen to this podcast in 20 years, you're missing (laughs) the biggest nugget. And that is right now, get to know yourself and walk through that purpose and clarity process. So did you use that process or did, or maybe did God use that process in your life in order for you to move into the Kairos ministry? I'd love for you to share like how you're taking these leadership principles and applying it um, in the Kairos ministry. So tell us about that. And, you know, don't think about it like a quick answer. Feel free to expand as you see fit, but. Yeah. So, you know, for the prison ministry, I started that uh, about 12, 10 to 12 years ago. So as, as we were winding down or we were in the middle of our career and winding down, I was engaged in this prison ministry called Kairos. Kairos is a, is a word that means in, in the fullness of time or the richness of time. It's, it's more qualitative. Chronos means time. It's my time on my watch. You know, it's, it's quantitative. So Kairos is, is in the fullness of time or God's special time. And so that's a program that we go into the into the prisons and work with the incarcerated in better understanding. How do I become uh, a member of of the Christian community? How can I build the church within the walls of the prison? But also, how can I build myself as a leader and how can I lead not only myself while I'm in prison? But when I when I uh, am released, how can I go back to my family? And, and be a leader in my family or be, a, or be the husband I need to be. And, you know, we, we talk about leadership. Uh, I know that uh, on your last podcast, um, your guest was talking about servant leadership. A lot of what I utilize in terms of my interaction with, with an offender in the prison system is getting to understand what is leadership. And, and to me, really the best way to be a leader is to serve, to be a servant leader. Um, what's interesting is that my pastor uh, about a year ago, he was talking about uh, leadership principles and kind of tying that into our, our faith. 
And he, he said something that really struck me. He said, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And I thought, oh, wow. I thought wow, wow, that's awesome. I thought, wow, that's, that's in, impactful. And, yeah. you know, Tom, you and I, one of our core values at Fit for Work was leading through serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just believe so strongly in that. And so to be able to, to meet with, um, with an offender that maybe ha- ha- did not have any kind of structure or did not have a role model or did not have someone in his life that was a leader and to maybe to be able to, uh, to share some of that insight and, and not, you know, not to change him in any way, but just to, to help him look at the possibilities of I can be a leader. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I'm in a situation right now and I've made some, some, some wrong choices, but it doesn't mean that it's over. You know, there's, there's life beyond, uh, you know, this prison sentence. And so uh, that's, it's really, it's been very fulfilling for me. And, you know, I, I tell the guys when I go in and visit that I'm getting more out of this than you, <laughs> than you are. I right. just want to feel right. that. Uh, and so it's just been a very, uh, it, it's been a, a great time uh, as a mission for me. Uh, and I do it because I feel called, you know, uh, in Matthew, it talks and tells us specifically, you know, when, when I was in prison, you came to visit me and it's Jesus, you know, commanding us. And not everybody is, is going to feel comfortable going into a prison, but you can, you don't have to go in. You can, you can bake cookies, you can write letters, you can pray, you can be part of the ministry for prison or for, for the hospital, for visitation, for, for people in nursing homes or people that, are homeless. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. So I think God has given me an opportunity to use what, what I've learned along the way and what he's allowed me to, to learn along the way through my business and through my life and through my family and apply it in, in, uh, in a ministry. That's a, a fantastic uh, ministry to be part of. And, you know, talk about legacy, just imagine, as these folks that you've touched get released from prison and go out into the world, the impact that you've made on them, you know, that really speaks to uh, your, your story previous to that with the friend that you had contacted in 35 years. One of the things you said was your inviting him to church helped steer him in the direction to become a, a pastor. It's, it's just amazing. The small conversations or the small actions that we have as a leader have huge impacts on people's lives mm-hmm. every single day. And that's one of the important reasons why as a leader, we've got to be on all the time. We cannot not be a good leader because somebody is always, always, always watching us. Yeah. Well, what was neat is I, I appreciated him sharing that with me because I, I, I had no idea. And he was just, just like, looked me in the eyes and said, you know, Keith, you're, you're the reason I'm a pastor. I'm like, Whoa. That is still cool. Wow. Um, and you know, he, he's now, uh, he's a, he's an editor. He's a, um, he's written books and he's an editor for a newspaper. And so the several days after we had met, he wrote an article in, in the newspaper about the beauty, uh, of reconnection. And, uh, wow. and that's been one of my goals personally is just to, 
you know, I, I'm not being great in, in keeping connected with people, you know, that may have, that I may have had a, a strong relationship with in the past, or it's been, you know, a meaningful relationship. And, you know, God takes you through different seasons and you go your different ways. And it, sometimes, sometimes it's for short periods of time. Sometimes it's for long periods of time, but I, I just felt a sense of, in a urge, in a urge to reconnect with people. And so I just reached out and as I, I was driving through Lubbock to go see my mom and, and I told him his name's Doug. I said, Doug, at, you know, once we had a, a full two hour conversation, I said, I feel like that we, we saw each other last week and it's been 35 years. So, you know, it's just amazing that, um, that you can make up all that time <laughs> right? In, in, a, in a two hour conversation. Yeah, exactly. So what about if I'm a young person sitting here right now and I feel like I've blown it? First of all, one of the things that we saw over time with the various guests that we've had is they've all overcome some level of adversity. I don't know that there could be much greater adversity than to find yourself having blown it so badly that you've been incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And that's not to condemn anybody or I'm just saying if if you're in jail, the majority of time you're there because you did something and you need to take full responsibility for that. But other people may be sitting there thinking, feeling like they just they blew it. You know, oh, my gosh, I've blown it. It's like, well, you're you're not you haven't blown it so much. So when was a time when you could look back and and say and, and maybe you can't share it or you can't share all the detail. But when was a time when you felt like you absolutely just blew it several times. That's happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The and, day that you said you'd go into private practice with me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, as a young therapist, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to help someone, um, that was kind of reaching out to me and didn't have any money, didn't have, really any means and it would just needed needed some help. Uh, and, you know, just because I was just so focused on me, so focused on, you know, what I wanted to accomplish, um, I kind of blew him off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, you know, what, what's interesting is that, you know, I still think about that guy and it, it, it kind of haunts you that, you know, I had an opportunity to, to be the hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I chose not to, or because of, because of selfishness or because of selfish ambition or because I was too busy or because of whatever, you know, that one kind of just hits home. And this was a individual that uh, was a, a patient, former patient of mine. And, you know, I just felt like, well, I, I can't cross the, the boundary of, you know, becoming a friend with a patient, you know, there's right. ethics involved and that kind of thing. And I, I just tried to tell myself that that was, it was okay, you know, not to help him, but I, I could have done so many, many things right. that I chose not to. So I, I really blew it in that, but you know, the, the, the great thing about being a, <laughs> being a follower <laughs> of Christ is that uh, we're forgiven. We have the ability to redeem ourselves many, many, many times. And so, you know, I, I, I look at that sometimes when I when I go to the prison and visit someone that, you know, I, I kind of see that guy in some of those people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see yeah. him, I see his face 
kind of like, you know, we're, we're to see Christ in those people. Right. So, um, that, that to me was probably a, a time that I, that I really blew it. All right. Well, so that we don't, you know, have, have a depressing note. What, when's the time that you just feel like you were in the end zone celebrating, like you took it a hundred yards is a pick six. You won the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think where I, where I just feel invigorated is, you know, what we were able to build at Fit for Work. And what I'm what I'm most proud of is that we we started a culture, and we were very strong in our in our in our beliefs. You know, our Judeo Christian beliefs and you know, today that's just, it's so difficult to have a business, but even back then, you know, it was right. questioned, but you know, our, our core values and our culture were unwavering. And, you know, there are many times and Tom and I can probably share stories where uh, those were, those were attacked and we had to defend those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I'm proud of is that those same core values and that same culture is there today. It's strong. It's, it's even better than it was. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of is thriving. And that's because of the leadership that we have with the, with the company now. But I, I, that's when I feel like, you know, touchdown, two point conversion, right. Super Bowl win. I mean, I really feel like that we had a, we had a potential and we were able to, to, to see that through, to create a culture and, you know, our whole purpose at Fit for Work was to change the way that healthcare was being delivered in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And, right. and looking back, I, I feel like that we've accomplished that and we continue to accomplish that to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And talking to some of our, uh, I'll use the term children uh, at, at Fit for Work now, it is amazing. And it is, it's just absolutely, it fills my heart when you talk to them and not only have they adapted or adopted our, the culture that we develop, but they've adapted it. They're growing it. They wrapped their arms around it and embraced it. And never one, never one time did it ever prevent somebody from being successful, prevent somebody from employment. Uh, how can you go wrong when your goal is to serve somebody? When to, when your goal is to love them as Christ loved you, when you take as a leader, the responsibility that we are given to love those that work for us and to care for them uh, as if they were us. So, uh, you know, I just think people make it so difficult. They make this image of living your Judeo-Christian values through our businesses seem like it's so complicated and it really isn't. It it really isn't. So, um, so what's next for you, Keith? What's the, what's the next thing that you're going to do? Or where are you at right now? Either one. Yeah, um, I think continuing on in you know my my journey as as a repurposed person. <laughs> uh-huh. Repurposed. Um, you know, to be able to continue to spend time with with my mom, which this has allowed me to to spend time. And now that we're kind of on the the, the heels of all the restrictions with, from COVID, I've been able to go in and spend quality time with her in person. Whereas in the past, I was having to visit her through a window or on a patio, you know, um, or through, you know, through FaceTime. Uh, so continuing to 
to visit my mom. I, I, and I, I think that that time is, is precious. It's valuable to me. And I, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss out on that uh, as well as just spending, spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my son was recently married. He married a young lady that has two little girls. So we've become grandparents in a way to two precious little girls. Um, we're going to go camping here in a couple of weeks. So just having awesome. that time to, to spend with them, uh, that that's part of that significance that I was speaking of earlier. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to be significant. I want, I want to have an impact, uh, whether it's through prison ministry, whether it's through coaching someone, whether it's through just spending time, quality time with, with family or with friends reconnecting, you know, to me that that's where, the significance comes in and, and, our, and I'm continue to seek ways in, in which I can be significant. Uh, and you just feel like now, you know, some of the, some of the boundaries and some of the, the ties that have held us back are becoming more unleashed uh, now that uh, we're getting behind this COVID thing. Sounds like you still have a whole heck of a lot going on for a retired slash repurposed life. That's awesome. (laughs) You've delivered a lot of gold. I I was feverishly taking some notes. Um, Really appreciate uh, all of the the stories and, and, uh, you know, you and Tom, I I just, it's a great example of a, of just a wonderful legacy uh, from fit for work that, you know, you, you had the goal of, of changing the way healthcare works and, and you did it. And the culture seems very vibrant and still after the two of you left, it, it stays vibrant. So just a, a great, great stories. I really appreciate it. If you could leave with one nugget for our audience, uh, uh, what would you leave with them? What would you like them to take away? I think for someone that's listening that maybe stuck, you know, they're just, they're stuck in a situation They're They've been sidetracked by events. Something is just, is kind of got them off track in terms of understanding their purpose or role. You know, I would just say, take that risk, make that leap. I, we spent some time with my wife's great niece and great nephew, and they were jumping on a trampoline and uh, they had positioned the trampoline close to this, this, kind of high privacy wall. And with their dad's permission, they were, he said, yeah, you can do this, but just be careful. And there was a net, but they were able to climb up a couple more feet on that privacy wall (laughs) and leave off on that trampoline. And they were doing their own tricks and and we were naming these tricks. And, And I got to thinking, you know, these kids, what they're nine and seven, um, they're not really, afraid of taking that risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we get older, I think we're more afraid of taking that risk, but they discovered that the, the little higher that they went, the more bounce they got. So a little bit more risk they take, the more bounce, although still safe within reason that's mm-hmm. that's over there watching. Right. Uh, so for anyone that um, maybe just needs a little bit of a bounce, they need a, a little bit more of a rebound or a leap. Uh, I just encourage them to to take that risk, to reach out to someone, uh, reach out to a mentor, reach out to a, a, a confidant, a friend, a coach, whoever it is, a pastor, someone in your life that you can just bounce things off of. I mean, I would just encourage you to do that because 
Uh, life's too short. If you go through life, most of your life, not knowing your purpose, I mean, that's it, that's sad to me. And, uh, you know, the, the, the potential, you know, Michael, you talk about potential and the potential, you know, the potential energy that comes off of that bounce is just some unbelievable, just amazing what you can gain from that. So that, that, that would be my message is just to encourage those that might be, be stuck right now. And, you know, if you're a leader somewhere in an organization, you might be feeling that for your whole organization right now, reach out to us, contact Michael. You'll have the contact information at the end so that we can help you unstick. Because if there's anything that, that has stuck organizations, it's 2020. You know, so many people that I've spoken with, whether they're small employers trying to get employees because everybody's stuck at home, literally, or they're stuck in a system that's paying them without having to be at work and they can't find employees or they're in a large organization and they can't propel themselves forward because everybody just doesn't know how to come out of it. Uh, Contact Michael and I. Let us know. We'd love to be able to help you. Um, maybe be able to invite Keith into some purpose clarity conversations, but you're not you're not absent or you're not void of opportunities. You're not void of assistance. You know, you're one email or a phone call away from becoming unstuck. And and I would be remiss if I didn't give Keith the credit that he is due. So, uh, real quickly, a couple times in our organization, we were stuck. The first time, remember, Keith, he called me. It's Christmas time. I'm in Colorado visiting our friends for Christmas. Keith calls me and says, hey, and it was one of our, our largest clients. And they said, hey, this is no fault of your own, but we're we're spending half a billion dollars in insurance every year on workers' comp. And we're paying that to the insurance company and we're paying you guys also. We were saving them money. The insurance company was spending them spending money but we had to be gone in three days, 30% of our revenue gone in three days at Christmas nice. time. I'm literally standing in the living room of my good friend and we're, we're doing really well as a business and really starting that, that hockey stick kind of um, approach to our financials. And this happens and tears are running down my eyes. I'm like, we're on our way home. I get my family. We had to leave early and get home and deal with this. Keith was the architect using this book. Good to great. He was the architect of our recovery. And that year we had everybody read good to great. Keith and I read good to great. We applied the principles, but Keith was the architect behind it. We regained what we had lost in, in terms of our business and grew actually by about 80% that year, right? About 80%. Yeah, we recovered 80%. what we, what we almost all that we had lost. And then years later, it was time to, to develop our culture Keith, again, we should just call him the architect, 15 commitments of conscious leadership, along with our partners at the time in Confluent Health, narrowed that down to some key areas that we could focus on and began to implement um, a positive conscious leadership style. Again, Keith was the architect. And so I just I had to give you credit for that because we would not see that today. We'd have 15 different ways of having a conscious leadership and no way to get it done. And uh, if it was if it was left in my hands, uh, Keith, uh, I am grateful to get to spend this time with you. And I'll tell you, Tom and I talk about culture and leadership 
all of the time. I mean, it's not the only thing we talk about, but we're passionate about it. So we talk about it a lot. And your name comes up in about 90%, no exaggeration, 90% of those conversations. So grateful to uh, have spent some time getting to know you a little bit better and uh, hope to get to know you a little bit more as time goes on. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be able to spend time with you, Michael. And yeah, I look forward to the future and the, and all the potential and possibilities that, that lie ahead of us. Absolutely. So Keith, so thank you. Uh, you know, you're a brother to me. Uh, you're a business partner for decades, but brother's even more important. And so your family. And so I really appreciate you for all that you contributed to my life. And as I transitioned and repurposed in uh, this phase, you took me through that process. And to be really frank, I was just feeling like I was just throwing him a bone. You know, I was just, oh, yeah, he needs some help and I'm going to do this thing with him. And then I thought, no, I really felt convicted. I felt like God was telling me, look, if Keith needs help, why would you, after all these things, why would you just go at it half-heartedly? I may be wanting to speak to you too. And so Keith understood who I was and my faith. And so I invested into it and I came out with my purpose, faith, family, friends, and finance. And I've shared in the past what that was about and really is about helping other people achieve their financial goals and dreams and, and working the skills that I had to their benefit. And Keith, I owe that to you and I really appreciate it. And so thank you. Thank you for being part of what we're trying to accomplish here today. And, you know, you gave everybody a gold mine today. And so we appreciate you. Well, I just, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share and to talk to, to brothers and maybe others that, that are listening will pick up on something that we've talked about that might be inspiring to them. You know, Tom, it's just uh, it's neat to see what you're doing in terms of building your legacy uh, and, and building those things and, and moving on. I told, I told Tom when he started some of his other business ventures that it just made me tired because <laughs> I just don't have the energy for that now, but I, but I certainly uh, appreciate and support what he's doing and, and definitely uh, just appreciate his friendship and, and, his, and being a brother, being a brother in Christ, but just being a strong friend. You know, Michael, uh, when we went into partnership together, you know, I think you probably have heard the term or heard the saying that the only ship that doesn't sell is a partnership. <laughs> the only ship that doesn't sell is a partnership. And so it was, we had it kind of stacked against us. Hey, it's, it's never going to work. But I think because we, we had that bond, number one, as brothers in Christ, but, but also mm-hmm. being able to trust each other has uh, really helped us, helped us build what we built. But it also, you know, some people will go in business together and, and then when they retire, you never hear from them. But, you know, that, that's not the case with, with Tom and I and some of the other people that we work, work worked with. So I appreciate it very much both to both of you. Thanks, Keith. Well, folks, this has been episode 13. If you couldn't get gold from that, then you are in a coma and <laughs> we want to wake you up. We will defibrillate you back to life. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Michael. Um, Keith, for two decades of friendship and fellowship and brotherhood and Michael for the next two decades, hopefully. And uh, and folks, this has been episode 13. We appreciate you. We hope to hear from you. If you're feeling stuck, if you're in a rut, you don't have somebody that can help you break through, contact us. And uh, that's what we're here for. Take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to Two Guys on Stuff. Tune in next week as Tom and Michael talk more 
about leadership stuff, life stuff, helpful stuff, and maybe even your stuff. Until then, keep your stories fun.